if you have a Bible, would you like to turn to a letter to the Ephesians in the New Testament? If you don't have a Bible, you can look on the stage. Look on the stage? Above the stage, there's a screen. And the verses should appear there, if the blue buckets have done their rounds. Going to focus on one particular verse, or just a couple of verses today. Um, But uh, going to be quoting from a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed for all these Ephesian believers. And so I'm going to read the whole prayer before we kind of zoom in on a few verses verses of it. So if you have uh, your Bible open... um, then we're in Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to read from verse uh, 15, or like I said, you can, you can look at the screen behind me. So Paul prayed this, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. When I was about eight years old, uh, I, I, once a year I loved to watch on television uh, the World's Strongest Man competition. I'm, I, it probably, come on, uh, it probably still happens. It always seemed to be won by someone from Scandinavia. Um, but every now and again there was a Brit who'd do well. And uh, for a few years... That Brit was Jeff Capes, come on. I know this is a niche cultural reference to get a sermon started, (laughs) but I'm still going to go for it. And so I couldn't conceive of anything more powerful than Jeff Capes, who, here's another strange thing about the 1980s, um, who could rip the phone book in half. That only makes sense to some of you. (laughs) For those of you... We don't remember a landline or the need to have a phone book. <laughs> it was made of lots of yellow pages and was like thousands of pieces of paper thick. It was just huge. That was the way to get the word out that you had a business, I suppose, in, back in the day. And he could rip that in half. And there were other crazy things that would happen during the, the World's Strongest Man competition, which normally took place in a very exotic location somewhere. Uh, and they did really bizarre things. They might kind of see how far they could carry a car. Um, there's, there's one event that always seemed to crop up year after year, which was just these massive stones. And the whole thing was you had to lift this, well, not me, but you had to lift this stone and put it on, on kind of a podium of different heights. And it was almost as though someone had waved a magic wand and like shrunk a few planets down to like a manageable size, but they probably still weighed the same. And these guys would kind of like lift them up. And, and you think, why? 
Why does that need to be a demonstration of strength? Why the stones? But anyway, they had these big stones and would get them on top of a podium. Think, wow, eight-year-old me was amazed. That, that's the most awesome demonstration of, of, of power. And you think here when Paul's praying for the believers, saying, I'm praying that you might know his incomparably great power. You might think, well, what's he going to refer to? You might think, actually, why does he not talk about the planets? Why don't you not say God, who's so great in power, created the universe, created all the planets, and kind of put them in their place. Just got them going. Just, there's, there's another one. And there's another one. But what, if we're considering the awesome greatness of God's power, why not consider the creation of the whole universe? Well, instead, Paul turns to the events of Easter Sunday, or the moment when Jesus breathed again. It says on the cross that he breathed, on Friday, he breathed his last. He'd completed the work for him on the cross. He was there, and it it, it reaches a point where before the other uh, men being crucified had, had died, he gave up his spirit. He had taken the wrath of God. He'd taken punishment for all, uh, for all our sin. And it says that he breathed his last and, and Joseph of Arimathea later on went to Pilate and Pilate would check with the centurion. Has he died already? Yes, he's died. Centurion's done this quite a few times before and uh, he's, it's his job. Probably his life would be on the line if he didn't do it correctly. So the centurion is sure. The soldiers, they were sure. One of them went to Jesus. They, they were about to break his legs. They realized they didn't need to. He's gone. He's gone. And, uh, and, and, another, and then another moment, he'd take a spear and would puncture the side of Jesus' body and out would come water and blood, separated. He's gone. And Joseph of Arimathea would, would, would go to Pilate and request the body. And, and he was a follower of Jesus, perhaps secretly. And he would carefully wrap the body of Jesus, probably being quite quick because this needed to happen before the Sabbath started that evening and laid him in a tomb. You think if there was any doubt at all, you wouldn't kind of roll the stone in front of the tomb, would you? If there's any doubt at all, but there was absolutely no doubt whatsoever. The saviour of the world had died. And the greatest demonstration of power ever in the universe, let alone on planet Earth, is that not on the next day, Saturday, what happened on Saturday? Nada. The disciples were hiding away. Maybe Mary and the other women were preparing spices to, to, to go and wrap his body, not knowing even how they'd get into the tomb. Nothing happened on the Saturday, other those kind of things, before on Sunday, this discovery that life has returned to the body of Jesus. This is the greatest demonstration of power ever. And this is what Paul is praying about. He's saying, I'm praying that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened. He's, he's, he's talking to people who are already saved, who are already believers. He's saying, I, I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened, so that you might know him better, so that you might know the hope to which, you called, to which he called you, his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Why do we need to hear that even now for those of us who are believers? Well, it's possible that we just shrink back to being eight-year-old me, impressed by some other demonstration of power, losing sight. It's easier somehow to imagine, uh, for me anyway, a phone book being ripped in half than to consider what was going on in the tomb on Sunday morning. What was happening there? 
And how does that impact us now? We're going to spend some time considering this, the, the greatest demonstration of power ever, and then also consider what's that for, and what difference does that make today. It's described here as being incomparably great power. So there's a, this is, here is a power, and it's, Paul can't sum this up with just one word or two. He's, a, he's piling up all these words about power. This great power. Incomparably great power. So great that nothing and no one can compare to it. No one can rival it. No one can come close to doing anything as powerful as this. This is so powerful, it's beyond our words. It's beyond the power of our language to explain. So he's saying about the incomparably great power for us who believe, that power was like the working or the energy, the movement of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and if we had time we could go on to consider not only is he raised from the dead but he's now been lifted and is seated at the right hand of God for all time this is a power that is too great for words this is a power that is not just potential it's not just a theory it's not just words if I were to say to you you know what I can run 100 meters in under 10 seconds. If you're on the back row, you're probably thinking, yeah, I think you probably could. But if you're a little bit closer, or if you had a chat with me later, you might discern somehow or another that really I was lying. I don't know, it's not a lie as such. Um, I mean, I could if I, if I trained well enough. I could. If I, if I changed my diet, I could, if I had a good coach, I would be able. And then you just realize that he can't run 100 meters in under 16. Let's hope. Um, in other words, you realize after a while, it's just talk. Our God is the Almighty. It's not just talk. It's not just words on a page. It's not just ink that has been put down for a few generations. It's not just theory. It's not just potential. It's not like God's just saying, well, I, I could do something spectacular if I chose to. And sometimes, if we don't have our eyes open to the power of the resurrection, we kind of think in those terms. We kind of think, oh, if only God would do something awesome, then I'd find it easier to share my faith. If only God could sort out the UK about now. If only God could do something awesome, I feel I'm just apologizing for God. You don't have to apologize for God like he's some oversensitive friend. Don't listen to them, Jesus. You're with me. It's like, no, he's not weak. He's not powerful in theory. He's not potentially great. He is awesomely powerful, and it has been demonstrated in reality. When we're tempted to think, why doesn't God do something? He has. He's done the greatest thing. And this great, this incomparably great power is too great for any opponent. I could easily have been overpowered by uh, Jeff Capes. That was like the ultimate playground fighting talk. It's no, 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 you kind of went over someone else. You said, well, I'm going to get my dad on you. And forget that. No, I'm going to get Jeff Capes on you. 
And it didn't matter that actually he was probably a really, really nice guy. Um, and I don't think he actually lived just around the corner anyway. But it, empty threats don't need that. You could just... <laughs> so, he, well, what we're looking at is the power of God to, uh, that is able to overwhelm, overcome, absolutely conquer the greatest enemies. And so in the resurrection, we see a power demonstrated that has conquered death and triumphed over evil. You know, there are, there are some people even now um, who are trying to overcome death. You know, apparently, Google has waged war on death itself. Uh, the founder of PayPal, whose name escapes me, uh, is known to want to live forever. He says, you can accept it, death that is, you can accept it, you can deny it, or you can fight it. I prefer to fight it. Well, good luck with that. Uh, let's see how that goes. There's a man called uh, Dave Asprey. I think he has probably quite a big brain and quite a lot of money. Um, he's slightly more modest in his aims. He wants to live to be 180, and he thinks he can manage it. Uh, he takes hundreds of supplements every day. He's into what's called biohacking. There are some people who want to kind of like try and hack a computer uh, uh, to achieve what they want, to manipulate IT systems around the world somewhere. Some people are trying to hack the human body, trying to hack their own body, trying to trick the human body into behaving, uh, behaving dis differently. It's even said by some that if you've got enough money and you're in good enough health in 2050, you'll be able to live forever. You kind of start doing the maths. I think, how much money are you going to have to have? How, how old are you going to be? In to, look, forget it. It's rubbish. No one has overcome death. Uh, David Asprey is, is, is trying, spending millions of of dollars, probably, um, and uh, all sorts of strange ideas about what he goes through his regime. I think he's injecting his own stem cells into different parts of his body. Just crazy stuff in, in an attempt to make it to 180. And should he succeed and get to 180? Lots of other people would say there was David Asprey, who lived a little bit longer than the rest of us. What was achieved? It's not an enemy that any other person can overcome. Let's look then at how God in Christ overcame death. With no massive amount of wealth, no technological enhancements, no bionic operations, he was going into a tomb and he was going into a tomb dead. There was nothing in the tomb to help, and there was no one inside the tomb to help. Sometimes you see, don't you, in public places now, a defibrillator on the wall. I can't even say the word. Defib. On the wall. If so, if, should someone need it, type in a code, quick, get it out. Maybe it doesn't sound like that. Forgive me. I don't mean to be flippant. Calm down. Right. Um, there was nothing and no one in the tomb and Jesus went there, having been beaten to such an extent that he could have died from those injuries. And then he's been crucified, and he's hung for six hours, I think, on the cross, becoming 
completely wretched, being despised, being insulted. This is how God overcame death. Not by fighting it, not by trying to avoid it, by actually experiencing it, by going into it. But note that God needed nothing. There's no life in the tomb, no tech, no money, no help. Even to consider the situation more spiritually. No one's praying for this. On planet Earth, there was no active faith in the, in the resurrection on the third day. We don't know precisely what the disciples were doing on the Saturday. They were hiding. They were tucked away. When, when Sunday comes, here are people saying, well, like on the road to Emmaus, when two of them are going to encounter Jesus, before they realize it's him they're speaking to, they recount the events of the Easter weekend. And what do they say? We had hoped. We had hoped that he would redeem Israel. But not now. And on so many occasions, perhaps they would say to themselves, Oh, Jesus is here. Thank goodness. Remember Mary and Martha's brother, Lazarus, died. Jesus comes days late. He says, If only you'd been here. And he wouldn't have died. Jesus goes on to explain that he is the resurrection and the life. And he goes to the tomb. He stands outside the tomb. And having prayed, calls out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Jesus has faith. Jesus could speak and life would come. And Lazarus would come out, came out of, the, uh, of his tomb. Not resurrected, but revived four days after he died. Jesus, don't, it'll be a bad smell by now. Thank you, Lord, that you heard me. I know that you always hear me. I said this for those who are listening. That's power. If only Jesus were... Oh, we had hoped. Because now it's Jesus in the tomb. Who's going to stand outside? Who's going to pray? Who's going to speak up in a loud voice? There's no one there. No one can do that. They're tucked away. They're frightened. There's not like, there weren't loads of early adopters outside the tomb ready to wave flags. Come on, everyone, let's pray. So God, in Christ, on that Sunday morning, was answering Jesus' prayers. No one else's. No one on Sunday was praying for the resurrection to happen. That's not encouraging us not to pray. Though sometimes we focus on ourselves. Maybe we've been praying and been disappointed. Oh, if only, if only I'd prayed more. Maybe God would have done something. If you've ever thought that. My guess is you did pray. But you encountered that God's will in that moment was kind of painfully different. If only I'd prayed more. God is more powerful than the number of people who are praying. God doesn't become more powerful according to how many people are praying or how few people are praying. God doesn't kind of like wake up in the morning and feel more epic and think, wow, people must really be praying today. And on other days, feel a little bit lethargic. Come on, people, help me out here. God is all the time awesomely powerful 
beyond our understanding. He encourages us to pray and he delights to answer prayer. But he doesn't need us. He's not relying on us. We can't give something to him and he owes us back. I prayed, we all prayed, Lord. So we kind of reckon that you owe us now. No, it's not like that. We're not helping him to recharge. He is the Almighty all the time. And so, unlike Jesus, there's no, unlike Lazarus' tomb, there's no one standing outside. There's no one, there's no one bringing faith to the situation. But God moved in power. And the disciples, when they did meet with the risen Jesus, didn't say, wow, it's you, you survived. That's amazing, but you look awful. Can we, come and take a seat. They, they met the risen Lord Jesus, and they realized it's him, and he's got wounds, and it is him, but he's different. This is how uh, Paul writes to the, to the Romans in Romans chapter 1 at the very beginning. He says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures, regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord. Another way, and perhaps a better way that could be phrased, is to say that regarding his son, uh, who through the spirit of holiness was declared to be the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead. In other words, before his resurrection, Jesus, according to his uh, human nature, was vulnerable. He got tired. He needed to sleep. He could be beaten up and he could be killed. But now, after his resurrection, he is no longer son of God in vulnerability, son of God in weakness. He is the son of God in power, no longer to suffer, uh, seated in the most glorious place with a body that won't decay, fully glorious and ruling over the entire uh, universe. This is the son of God that we know. This is, it. this is who we are celebrating today. We are, and therefore, celebrating this incomparably great power. That's how great it is. So, what difference does it make for us? Well, notice. Notice Paul's words in recounting his prayer. I pray, in verse 18, I pray also that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. So this power, that power that God exerted in Jesus when he raised him from the dead with no help, no encouragement, no earthly resources, nothing but his own command... See, it turns out, yet again, that God can do something out of nothing. We might marvel at God creating the universe and all the stars and needing nothing to do that. And here we see again that in the power of God, he needed nothing other than his own authority and command 
to bring life to the body of Jesus on the third day. That power is for us. That power is with us. That power is in us and that power has already been at work. And we're considering Rachel's story earlier on, kind of the story of, 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 of how she came to faith or how any of us may have came, uh, come to faith. And we may, we may rank those stories and think, oh, if only it was more spectacular. Actually, something spectacular happened for everybody the moment that they believed. The moment that faith came in the human heart. You see, the, the cleverest person on the planet might not understand the gospel and may never receive it. But that that moment that faith came, and if you're a believer, suddenly you got it, you understood, you believed, you were convinced, you were convicted. That moment was the power of God. That moment was the gift of God. That moment was with God commanding new creation, as Jimmy read out earlier and reminded us. You became a new creation. Why? Well, because I made the decision. Because I read a good book. Because I went forward at the end of the meeting. Because I prayed. No, the, the reason, if you're a believer, the reason that you believe is because the power of God came into you. That is another mind-blowing thought. This is what the, uh, the Scripture tells us in a number of places. We could just look a bit further on in Ephesians uh, uh, chapter 2. And it describes our position before that moment happened. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive. Why are we here? Why are we believers? Why are we celebrating? Because God made us alive. Made us alive with Christ even when you were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you have been saved. And on we could read. We were dead. And there was no technology and there was no money and there was no encouragement and there was, there was no human resource. There was nothing that could make anything happen. We were dead in sin and transgression. In another sense, it can be said, we had no regard of God. We weren't looking to God. We weren't praying to God. We weren't really seeking him. He did a work in us when we were running in the other direction, when we were fleeing away from him, when we were pursuing other desires. This is what God overcame when he put life into us. This is what God did, made us alive. That's the power that's been at work. And that's the power that is still at work. God is not just a God of occasional special moments. I wish if God would do something special. Oh well, every now and again I do see something really awesome. But it, it might be in your lifetime, it might not be. It might be in your nation, or it might not be. But once in a while, I like to keep people on their toes, once in a while I do something absolutely incredible. Now God is doing something absolutely incredible every day. By his power, he is sustaining the whole universe. And by his power, he's at work in you. He's at work 
in your life. This is what Paul is confident of when he writes to the Philippians. In Philippians chapter 1, verse verse 6, he talks of himself there. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. A God who's still at work, and that's our confidence. When we get to glory, to what extent will we say, yes, I persevered in faith. I made it. I'm here. And how much will we be actually saying, wow, he kept working in me. He kept doing stuff. He kept leading and guiding me, often against my, my judgment. He was working every day, all the time. So, God is powerfully at work every day in our lives. Well, why don't we feel more epic then? Why don't we feel bulletproof? Well, one day we will. And maybe some of you do. I don't know how you've achieved that, but maybe you are here this morning and you do feel absolutely awesome. But this is why we need our eyes opening to the power of God that is at work. Notice that when Paul's praying, he's not saying, oh, God, let them receive power. He's saying, open their eyes to the power that they have received and is working. Help them to realize your power today. And we do pray for spectacular moments from time to time. But he's saying, I pray that the eyes of your heart might be opened so that you might know the power that is at work in you every moment and every morning when you're aware of it and when you aren't. Why? Well, because we see so much other stuff, don't we? And our hearts can be bogged down. Brexit, how's that going to work out? Work. How's that going to work out? We're heading into the massive unknown. I feel that we can pick up, can't we, from any number of directions, discouragements. We've got this massive high calling in God to be like Jesus on planet Earth. And yet all the time we're just aware, oh, the world out there, it can feel so dark. So many people are against us. You're kind of like, you're endangering your standing in life. If you dare share kind of a social media tweet, which isn't always the wisest thing to do, but if, if you dare to speak up for your faith in public... We know it's really hostile at the moment. could be. Maybe some of you this year, you've known what it is to be ridiculed for your faith. Maybe even persecuted. Maybe to experience just one setback after another. And so much unknown. How's this all going to work out? May have lost your job trying to find another one. Maybe suffering ill health, may have been bereaved. May have been battling a sinful habit. Just aware of the temptations of the flesh. You can look to the world, you can look to the flesh, you can look to your own health. You may have really, actually, sometimes the words spiritual attack are used for situations that could be just like 
you had something bad to eat and you got a dodgy tummy. Maybe that was spiritual attack, but there might be other explanations. But actually, some of you will have genuinely and powerfully known you are up against evil spiritual forces looking to thwart the plan of God or looking to discourage you. And you feel that. And you read the news and you feel that. And you hear, some, you hear what might be going on in someone else's life. And, you, oh. and you're trying to carry this little planet of problems. Look, the power of God, at a single point, is greater than all that muck. Are we confident in the power of God? If we're not, if our eyes aren't opened to the power of the resurrection, it's easy to start getting weighed down. Sometimes maybe the Lord has been working in such a way as to to peel back all your layers of self-reliance. Because that's what we're taught, isn't it? It's what we pick up all the time. Be yourself. Look inside yourself. Find everything you need by considering how strong actually you are. This is the message of the world. Be amazing. Be epic. Or feel very depressed if you can't prove to the world that you are absolutely epic. And so we get, we get uh, weighed down. Sometimes the Lord is actually doing things to peel back from us all this self-reliance. Why? So that we might learn what it is to rely on his power. Just another couple of verses before we pray in a minute. From 2 Corinthians. Look at Paul's own experience. Right at the beginning of 2 Corinthians. Chapter 1, verse 8. He writes, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. Wow. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Sometimes it can seem in life, everything's going down. (laughs) Everything's weighty. And we're being dismantled in the process. God would speak to him later. Paul, that is. Paul has been pleading with the Lord three times, take this thorn out of my flesh, God. And pleading with God. And what does he say? The Lord's response is, my grace is sufficient for you. How? My power is made perfect. Where? In my weakness. Why don't I feel epic? Because that's not how the power of God works. God comes to us in our weakness when we've reached the end of ourselves, when we don't know what to do. And makes his power known. Do you believe to know the power of God there? Let's not run around trying to look or be epic in the eyes of the world. Let's be a demonstration of the power of God today who sustains ordinary people, sometimes through great trials and having to endure. It's not superhuman ability, but sometimes by God's power, he's making us 
superhumanly patient. By the power of God, I'm able to wait. By the power of God, I'm able to put up that person again, even though they're really irritating, even though they've treated me like dirt. By the power of God, I'm going to love my enemies. By the power of God, I'm going to be a good husband. By the power of God, I'm going to honor my mum and dad. By the power of God, I'm going to trust that tomorrow works out without me needing to worry. By the power of God, I'm going to trust that he's going to provide, though the bank balance is looking a little bit shaky. That's where I'm going to believe for the power of God. It's not just ink on a page. It's not just the occasional spectacular moments. turns out the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead is living, it's working right now. Do you believe that? Are you confident of the power of God? Do you know that no matter what you're facing, nothing can thwart his plan and purpose for you? And you will be presented before the Father, before him in glory, the finished work. Why? Because God's kept working on you. God didn't let go of you. God didn't lose you. He didn't abandon you. He didn't kind of think, I'm going to find a more exciting project. Do you know how committed God is to you? You know how much he's prepared, he was, he's been prepared to go through for you? We can think of God as just like that clockmaker, winds up the universe, just lets it tick. No, every moment he's sustaining it. And that's what he's doing in your life on every day, every moment you wake up. Every challenge, every blessing, there is a God powerfully at work in you. That does mean nothing's impossible. We believe in the power of God. And we have hope. And we're looking forward. But before we get there, we know his power at work. That shapes everything. That colors everything. At our highest moments and our lowest moments as well and everywhere in between. Amen? Amen. Let's worship God in a moment. I was going to lead us in prayer before we do that.